0: I'm not pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for other drive to work at Home Edition. So today we have Gavin Verhey to talk about his, I think his favorite thing to talk about, which is Doctor Who design.
1: So yeah, this is so exciting. Oh my gosh, Mark, I, I, I couldn't even let you finish. I was so excited to be here to talk about Doctor Who. I mean, this is such a passion project for me and a set I care so much about. And I'm just uh, thrilled that it's finally about to come out or just has come out depending on when the podcast hits and that you all get to play it and see all the cards. And uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about it with you all today. It's going to be a blast.
0: Okay, so the goal today is to get knee-deep in design. This is a design podcast. So we're going to really uh, get in there and go, I mean... If people have heard you talk about the places, we're going to go deeper than that, get more in to sort of the actual n- nuts and bolts. So f- let's start from the beginning, which is, um, where did you start? What did you know when you started the design? Like, where did the design start from?
1: Right, so at the beginning, we're going to make four commander decks, all right? Straightforward enough. We had the Warhammer decks we'd done previously as kind of like a uh, a, a template or kind of like a direction to go in. Um, and... Um, something that I pitched for before design even started and this kind of is like the very early design like pre-design because the moment I learned I was doing this I was like thinking about it already was planes right I was like we should do plane chase it's a perfect fit for Dr. Who it's like a perfect creative fit because you know in the show you go all around space and time and while on planes you also go all around space and time right and so um I remember I pitched that to the architecture team here at Wizards and I was really worried because uh, you know, we were doing March of the Machine with planes and those Commander decks. Um, but there's no resistance. Everyone was like, yeah, that sounds perfect for Doctor Who. So I got that on board. So I knew we were doing that at the beginning of design. And what, the thing that was most interesting to me and that I kept in my mind is I asked my architect, who is Max McCall. And if you're not familiar with architecture, they're kind of the people that, like, help make sure that all the different lines of the set come together. Right? They work with all the different teams, including design. And uh, I asked him how many new cards should my decks have? Uh, and I, I was expecting him to give me a number. And he was like, however many you want. You figure out what, what you think the right number is. Just make the coolest commander decks you possibly can. Now, all 100 cards are going to get new artwork, right? They're, everything's going to get new artwork. It's all in, um, all in the Doctor Who universe. But he's like, make however many new cards you want. And so... Um, you know, we just kept adding more and more, as it turns out, Doctor Who has 60 years of history, so there's a lot to pull from, and we ended up with 50 new cards in every deck, uh, which, as I don't think where we are going to start, uh, w- what we th- thought when we started, but... Um, so for contrast for the audience, a normal yeah. Commander deck has how many new cards in it? Yeah, well, it depends on uh, what year you're asking me, but normally it's a, it's ten new cards, right? We we do we do ten new cards per deck is kind of what we're we've been aiming for in a, a normal commander deck in the Brothers War or something like that, you know.
0: Yeah, and so the, the, uh, the idea of new art just so the audience understands the, the fact that we had to do new art, I mean, it had to be you know it had to be Doctor Who, so we're doing Doctor Who. Th- that had some freedom to it because the biggest cost to doing a new card is the art. So once the art is sunk, th- that means that you have more freedom to do more stuff.
1: Right, right. The hours of my life, uh, as, as quickly as they drained away, uh, you know, or th- another cost, but delightful. I made mean, so many great cards that were, were a blast. The, um, the, the thing about that, I mean, you bring up a great point there, Mark. One thing that's very interesting about Universe Beyond Design is, okay, when you make a commander deck normally, you can use more or less whatever reprints you want. You're like, magic plane doesn't matter. You want to put a, a Lorwyn card in an drain deck? Go for it, right? That just makes sense. But when you do a, an IP set like Doctor Who, well... Boro Signet, you can't use that anymore, right? Uh, if you want to use uh, Shiv and Reef, that's off the table, because those have magic proper world names in them, and we haven't broken the seal on doing the like Godzilla name bar treatment yet in um, in Commander X, although maybe we'll do that someday. And so as a result, there's a lot of things that are like, okay, you can't use these things, so you have to find other solutions. You'll find, for example, that Talismans get used a lot in these universes beyond pre-cons instead of Signets, because Talismans don't have any magic world words in their name, and and signets do so. There's like a very uh, careful selection thing that has to happen there, and that that you know, as you you might say, restrictions breed creativity though, because that that restricts us, but also it gives us ideas. Like, oh my gosh, let's. One of the first things we did is we looked through reprints that would be so perfect for this IP, right? Like, out of time was a card we determined early on would be like, what a perfect fit. That's like. A name that is a uh, perfect for doctor who right uh so it, you know it kind of cuts both ways there but definitely there are some restrictions that are levied on you from the beginning and yeah as you say all the cards have new art so you have the freedom to make a new card if an if a old card won't fit provided it's not going to blow up legacy or something like that okay so i know one of the big challenges for you was
0: figuring out what the decks were supposed to be like what well, the audience doesn't realize is, yeah we know it's doctor who like we know the ip but how do you capture like that? That's a, how do you condense down 60 years of television into four decks?
1: Yeah, that is really hard. I mean, so you know, normally what we do when we start commander design is we try and figure out neat ways to categorize things, especially with the universe of beyond, right? It's like, okay, let's find different categories and make the four decks around that. You know, it's like, okay, here's some mechanical themes with a main set. You'll be like, here's some mechanical themes we can grab, but. Well, there is no main set for Doctor Who, so we couldn't do that. And then a lot of the times just what faction do we have? What's something about the world that it's tied to? So the really natural place to start was divvying it up by like a faction or like a people that all hang out together, right? Like we had a Daleks deck and a Siren deck, and we had a Doctor's deck and a companion's deck, and we tried a bunch of stuff like that. But the problem quickly became that just like it, 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 what, what the slicing just wasn't working. It was weird that all the Doctors were in one deck. It was weird that the companions weren't with the Doctors. It was weird that, you know, all these other villains were siloed and there just weren't enough. Like, if you want to make a whole deck based around the Master, well, okay, you get four Masters or, you know, five Masters, whatever the number is. I mean, it's probably more like eight or nine, actually. There's a lot of Masters. But anyway, you only get so many Masters, but then what is the deck mechanically doing along with that as well? So one day, we this is a big part of the early part of design. We spent, like, months trying to crack this nut. And one day I'm like, we just have to figure this out. I cannot proceed till we figure this out. So I grabbed Chris Mooney, who is also on the design team and a huge Doctor Who fan. And basically I just locked them and I in a room for an hour and a half, two hours, writing stuff on the whiteboard until eventually we like cracked something kind of orthogonal to how we normally do commander deck design, right? We've never really done something like this. We've never like done a, a series of precons where We divided it up by eras of something in this fashion. Um, but we did it here for Doctor Who, and it worked out really nice because we really stumbled upon the big question everyone always asks if you're a Doctor Who fan is, who's your Doctor, right? And, well, why not... Uh, if that's how people factionalize in Doctor Who, let's not let them factionalize that way, by the era they started watching. And then, of course, we have a Villains deck because uh, it's fun to put all the Villains in one deck, and, you know, uh, it's, it, it's it's a little tropey at this point. We did it with with Lord of the Rings, too, but it works well.
0: Yeah, the other thing that is interesting about... I. Uh different universes beyond is how much source material is there? You know? that. Like, right. Obviously, like as I mentioned earlier, like, Doctor Who is celebrating its 60th anniversary. Hey, there's a lot. I don't know how many shows out there. 800 or something?
1: There's lots of episodes. you got tons to pull from. No right. problem. I remember
0: in my article that I wrote, there
1: are more episodes
0: of Doctor Who than cards made for the Doctor Who deck. For the Doctor Who decks.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah by, <laughs> yeah. by far.
0: Yeah. By far. So, like you, like, you can't even do everything, right? So, how do you... So the next question is, okay, so you understand that, like, you're doing a buys, you know, eras, but how do you figure out what exactly goes in each deck? I mean, I mean, not that you don't know which deck something would go in, but how do you decide what goes in, you know, from the thousands and thousands of things, how do you figure out what goes in any one era deck?
1: yeah well the the great news is my team was full of super fans right like i was a huge fan i I am a huge fan chris mooney huge fan ellie rice like you know trick Jarrett, like all these people huge doctor who fans we had a huge base to go from although i went back and watched a lot of the classic episodes because that was a a gap in our in our knowledge so fortunately we were able to kind of identify what fans liked and knew that kind of off the bat then i kind of adopted a philosophy of like okay i think that for the most part, in general, although I have exceptions, we'll get to in a second. But in general, it's better to hit something for the first time than to hit two things once, um, because like if I do one, if I reference one episode on one card and I reference that episode again on another card, okay, well that person gets two cards. But if someone's favorite episode of Doctor Who ever is you know is out there somewhere i'd love the chance to try and hit that episode right because everyone's got a favorite episode and you know i want to be able to hit as many different episodes as i possibly could so what we did is for some of the really iconic episodes for the doctors like blink is a great example of uh, of an episode that features the weeping angels like yes we went a little deeper we made a handful of cards that, that show off that but for, for most other things we tried to be like hey this card shows off one episode it's the only taste you get from from that episode but at least a bit you love about the show is represented. And if you're looking for the one card from Vincent and the Doctor, it's there, right? If you, if you were a big fan of, um, you know, some of the first or second Doctor episodes, they're there. In fact, one cool thing we did is, uh, a fun fact about Doctor Who, some of you might not know, is that uh, a lot of the second Doctor episodes were are lost, right? Doctor Who was made so long ago and it was made with, um, you know, or the materials they had at the time, that actually those, those episodes got re-recorded over and are just permanently lost. Like those, the records don't exist anymore. They have the scripts, but they don't have the episodes. So the, the BBC has actually uh, animated them and you can watch them in animated versions online. But we thought it'd be cool to actually do a couple things from that that we could actually draw on a magic card because you know the, it helps bring them to life that way. So I think there's a land or two that are references to those stories, which is which is pretty fun. So uh, it, you know it, it was we wanted to make sure that a very wide variety of things were hit. And then the one decision we did make, just because there's so much to cover already, is Doctor Who was a show with 60 years. It also has a ton of spinoffs, right? There are books, there are audio dramas, all this stuff. And we're like that. We you know we have to go with what, from a design perspective, what people are most likely to know. And that stuff, while cool, is just—it's not part of the mainline. Who for a lot of people, although it is canon in many places. So,
0: okay, so let's get to the themes. I mean, I mean mechanical themes. Obviously, we—you we, you had your flavor themes, but okay, how do you figure out what each deck
1: does mechanically? Okay, so we we figured some of them out faster than others. So, two that came to us pretty quickly were historic and time counters. A story came fast for a couple of reasons. First of all, we realized we were just going to want a lot of sagas, a lot of legendaries, and a lot of artifacts, right? There's lots of legendary creatures, and once we figured out the saga thing, actually, the saga thing came later, I guess, but but it was a nice little bonus once we figured out the saga thing as episodes. But legendaries and artifacts... We knew we we're going to want a ton of. And with the classic deck, since it's like old Doctor Who and a lot of those episodes are time traveling back into history, historic seemed like a great fit. I also, I, I knew kind of early on, I kind of determined early on, I wanted each deck to have like a mechanic it was focused around. I think it's really nice to, if you can't factionalize by like, a type. It's nice to be able to factionalize that way by like, oh, it's got this mechanic. And um, I wanted one of them to be returning, and Historic was just such a slam-dunk fit. It seemed really great for the product. So that one fell into place pretty quickly for the classic deck. Um, Time counters, early on we did a pass on card names, but also mechanics we thought would be a good fit for the set. And time counters were just like immediately, it's got time in the name, you know? It's it's perfect. Um, The actual time travel mechanic came later, and I've got a couple fun stories about that, maybe I'll tell in a second, uh, because it used to be a little bit different. Um, But, uh, yeah, with time counters were like suspend, vanishing, all that stuff, manipulating the flow of time, it made a lot of sense. So we, we wanted to try and and go into that. We were curious if it was going to work, but one of the great things about these Universe Beyond decks is we have more cards we get to make. So we can actually create enough cards to have enough cards with these mechanics to function, where if we were just using reprints, we probably wouldn't have been able to. Um, the Villains deck, you know... One thing, we spent a long time trying to figure out what the theme was going to be. We came up with the villainous choice mechanic really early on, actually. And we found it was super fun, like making someone make a choice between two bad decisions. But it wasn't really clear if that could be like the theme of the deck, right? It's not really a mechanic that lends itself to a theme. But what we realized is actually, it actually came from playtesting. Whoever was playing the villain's deck every time would always want to act like the villain. I've never seen this happen in a Magic Play desk before, right? If you're playing the villain's deck, you want to cackle, you want to yell, exterminate as you blow up their creatures. Like you want to do all this stuff, right? And so what we realized as they were kind of playing the villain is, okay, what if they actually were the villain and they were trying to hit everybody else? So we kind of came up with this group slug idea where you're trying to hit all of your opponents with abilities like Myriad and things like that. Um, we also had an artifact theme in there for a while um, that we scaled down a little bit ultimately, but it, the Daleks and Cybermen and Weeping Angels and so on are all artifact creatures. So, you know, there's still some of that in there as, like, a little sub-theme. And then the deck that was the trickiest was actually the 12th and 13th Doctor deck. We tried a lot of different themes for this one. Um, we wanted something that really felt like the Doctor. It felt like you were being a little creative. And we tried Incident Sorcery spell theme, you know, theme something more really straightforward like that. And uh, eventually Chris Mooney had the idea of, okay, what if we did Casting not from Your Hand... And we tried it out, and it was novel. Um, as it, As it was novel, but not like something we had never touched before, right? Like we did a red green deck that people really loved in Baldur's Gate, where um, you cast cards from Exile. So it's kind of like a, a related to that in some sense. And it was fun to kind of figure out all the tricky ways you could do that. So that's how those four four things all kind of came together. Okay, do you want to hear a story about the time travel mechanic? I do. Please okay. uh, uh, I'm
0: shocked,
1: <laughs> I'm shocked. You, you you, and Mark were, you and the audience would. I feel like I had to ask the question instead of just going into it. But uh, so time travel, it was my idea. We're looking at the time counter deck. I was thinking about a mechanic and I was like, well, what about things that could manipulate your counters? Um, and my first idea was time travel impacted not only time counters, but also age counters and lore counters. So when you time traveled, you could keep your cumulative upkeep cards around longer. And I was like, oh, we could have some cumulative upkeep cards. And then you can manipulate your sagas to adjust the flow of time, right? You could keep your sagas around for longer, which makes a lot of sense with time travel. What we found pretty quickly is that, uh, well, one, there weren't many cumulative upkeep cards we wanted to make, as, as, you, as you might imagine. Uh, but second is that manipulating the um, the time, uh, the the lore counters on sagas, which was just really complicated. Like keeping sagas around for a long time, just you know, they kind of have a natural flow of going away. Keeping them around for a long time was really complex and meant that your sagas never left, which was kind of weird. And so eventually, while well, I cut the Saga part, then we're like, well, we probably shouldn't do this thing just for, <laughs> just for age counters, like people of upkeep. So, so we cut that. Uh, but we did, we did try some other stuff. Um, although I will say that in the deck, there is a reprint of clock spinning, which you can use on your Sagas to good effect. That's a good old time spiral card, so you can manipulate your Sagas still a little bit that way. But that's a bit about a fun fact about the time travel mechanic.
0: Okay, so you very briefly mentioned Sagas, but we didn't, let, let's dig into that. So, okay... How did you decide? So in the set, each doctor has a saga that represents a popular episode featuring
1: that doctor. How how did you get to that? How did you get there? yeah it's, it's really interesting how it happened actually so it had a homework assignment like, like we often do where people turn in their card designs and Chris Mooney turned in a card that I really liked it was called it, it was um, basically it was, it was a saga and it was depicting the episode Death in Heaven it was called something different but the idea was it was the, card, the episode Death in Heaven and I saw that and I fell in love with it and I was like we played it and it played awesome and everyone was like oh that was really cool and something I find as a designer is when you play something and it's early on in design everyone's like oh that's really Neat, for me anyway. I'm like, okay, well, can we do that more places, right? And some things are important to be keep special, but this is one we thought we could blow out. So I was like, okay, what if we did more of these? And we tried building some more out for different for different episodes. And um, by the way, the one that Chris submitted for death in heaven is almost exactly as it originally was in vision design and the very beginning of design which is really impressive that it stayed all the way through but we tried making more of those and everyone loved them right and when i showed the, them off in large r&d meetings everyone loved them when i showed them off to people in playtest, everyone loved them And so i knew we we're gonna do a bunch of them you know it went from one saga to four sagas to eight sagas and so on and eventually i was like okay i need a, a rhyme or reason for how these are going to be in the set right what is like the, the I have to cut myself off somewhere because naming them after episodes was such a smart way to recognize episode titles because people all have their favorite episode. I could make a million of these, though. I have to cut it off somewhere. And so doing one for each of the Doctors and then a handful of ones for the villains is what we decided. There, there are 19 total in the set. I, I will say it was very ambitious because sagas are very hard to design and making 19 ones that all fit commander decks was really challenging. One design trick we used is some of them, not all of them, but some of them are very much like for the Doctor Who experience, right? Where they'll reference doctors specifically, which helps narrow down like the design space you need to to mine for them. But a lot of them are just, you know, cool generic cards. And so you know, it's kind of kind of a mix of them you find there. But uh, really happy with how those turned out. And in my head, the whole time I was like, I think the art for these is gonna be sick. I really think the art for these is gonna be sick. I really hope it's sick. And then the art came back and I was and I was like this is sick. It turned out really good. I want wall scrolls of all these art pieces. Um, so super happy with them. Even though they were by far the hardest part of the set to make, it took so long to get all these sagas made. Okay, so you bring up something
0: that's an interesting question about universes beyond. So, and this is true of, of all Magic sets, but a little more. Universes beyond is a little stronger. Which is, there's what we call the biosphere, and the biosphere is, hey, when you're just playing with, the, the, usually limited is what we talk about. Like you're just playing with cards from this set. Uh, and then there's outside the biosphere, you mix them with sort of normal magic. Um, how do you balance when you're doing universes beyond how much is meant for the biosphere versus that's meant at large?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, one thing we've learned, although we didn't know it at the beginning of design, because we started designing these long before Warhammer came out, but once Warhammer came out, we certainly uh, learned from this, is universe Beyond Commander Decks have this very unusual thing about them, where a lot of Commander Decks people buy, they play a little bit, then they, they modify, they strip it for pieces, whatever. Universes Beyond Commander Decks, people treat a lot more like a board game, where, yes, of course, some people strip them out, they strip apart the cards or whatever, but a lot of people just buy the pre-cons, and they're like, here is my complete... Warhammer 40,000 experience. Here is my complete uh, The Lord of the Rings experience. Right? I've got these four commander decks. And so we know that now. We kind of learned that during the process of designing these after Warhammer came out and watching behavior. So the bio, the biodome or biosphere is more important here than in a normal, normal commander product because a lot of people are going to keep these things together, and I think it's it's it, it makes sense because look, if you love Doctor Who or, or you are interested in playing, you know, the Doctor Who decks, it's its own little environment, it's its own little bubble where only Doctor Who cards exist, and it really makes a lot of sense and is a great way to play these. So, um, you know, when designing for uh for these, we kept in mind a lot of people would keep them together. Ultimately, though, wider magic does have to win out at the very end in most cases, right? We can't make a card that's going to be busted in a normal commander. We had to consider, like, Doctor's Companion is a great example. Doctor's Companion, uh, you get to have one if you have a Time Lord Doctor as your commander. And we had to make the ruling that it has to be exactly a Time Lord Doctor so it can't partner with any Changeling commander, for example, because we don't want all Changelings for the end of time to be able to partner with any doctor's companion. So we had to make some some things like that for the greater world of magic. Um, but outside of things that were in like break formats, you know, I want to make appealing cards for magic players. But my number one priority was always flavorful, awesome Doctor Who experience. Whether you, you know, whether you um, love Doctor Who and don't know magic very well or already love magic and love Doctor Who, you can come in and you're gonna have an amazing experience. And hopefully if you don't know Doctor Who but you love Magic, you can try these decks and get a little interested about the IP as well.
0: Okay, so what was, what do you think was the biggest challenge of designing Doctor
1: Who cards? Um, so there's, there's a few. I'm going to list a few different challenges. One I already mentioned, which, which is the sagas, right? We thought that those were awesome, but it took a lot of work. Um, the second biggest challenge, though, were the characters. Some characters, um, were, you know, we came up with designs that were, like, very clear that this, this is this person, right? But a challenge with Doctor Who in particular is twofold. For the Doctors themselves, Doctors have such a wide range of personalities and a wide range of possible color identities that could be. Like The Doctor in different episodes could be different colors. Um, and with Companions, we had kind of the opposite problem where a lot of them are just like a totally normal person that follows along the Doctor. And then they're there, they're, they're the audience surrogate for the adventure, but like you know it's like oh you're an american tourist or you worked on an airplane or you know you worked in a fish and chips shop like there's there's uh you know these aren't things that lend themselves super strongly to uh to card designs so we all i guess you could make food tokens for a fish and chips shop although i think i think if rose made food you'd all be disappointed so um instead of what we did is of focusing on like the character in the aggregate what we generally did was focus on the character in a specific moment so we're like okay this is Adric in this one moment, right? And this is the moment where Adric sacrifices himself. Let's make a card about that. Or, hey, we're going to make a card about Rose, and we're going to focus on the bad wolf, right? She's so well-known as that. We're going to do that. And this, uh, for David Tennant's 10th Doctor, he's blue-red in this scene. You know, he, he's trying to save River Song. He's he's using his knowledge and his emotional impulse, and he's trying to, you know, keep River's memory alive for a little bit longer. And um, that's how we kind of went about tackling these cards. Because... You know, a lot of them could be different colors at different points in time. And one of the things we decided early, I guess we haven't even talked about Doctor's Companion and Doctor yet. What We tried a lot of things for that, because I wanted you to be able to play with, with both of them. And we, we learned early on we wanted to do Doctor and Doctor's Companion, and then we kind of came up with the mechanic. And we settled on... One of the things that's challenging about partner mechanics is when you get too many colors in your deck, right? Because adding colors to your commander deck is almost always just adding power to your commander deck. So instead of being like, oh, you could build a four or five color deck really easily, we limited all the doctors in these decks to two colors and all the companions to one color. And when you do that, you just narrow, you do narrow some of your color identities. And there are some characters that, you know, we had to make really tough calls for what colors they were going to be like the companions if they could only be one color okay well this companion really is two colors but which one are they going to be and we were trying to hone in on specific scenes or moments for them right um so that's uh that's a lot but that was definitely a huge part is trying to get the characters right um and that took a lot of time
0: well you said three
1: things what's the third thing Oh, the, the third mm-hmm. thing—the third thing is um, the doctor's companion, right? So one of the things about any companion mechanic we make, or any partner mechanic we make, rather, is there's so many combinations, right? If you look at the number of different doctors, plus the number of different companions, you can build so many different decks. Mm-hmm. And so the play testing took a long time too to try and um, figure out what what combination would be reasonable and what things could partner up in really strong ways. And um, you know, we we tried to play test as many as we could. And ultimately, I'm super excited to see what you all do um with them once we get them out there too in the world but that took a really long time to work on
0: yeah so just a little behind the scenes stuff so we we refer to that as combinatorics, right the idea that if you have something open-ended where you can mix and match them the more of them you have the more possibilities there are and on some level it's very exciting it's very exciting to have lots of opportunities but from a playtesting standpoint like like, for example, right now, Magic has 25,000 cards. So when we make a new card, we can't test it with every card. There's no way. And so even with what you're talking about, I mean, the combinatorics even with just the Doctors and the Companions, is pretty big for,
1: you know, for the product that you were talking about. Right, like imagine. So there are 15 different doctors in the product, right? Because you've got the main 13 ones plus four doctor and fugitive doctor. I don't know the number of companions off the top of my head, but I think it's probably around 20-ish, maybe a little higher. Let's say, let's say there's 20. Yeah. If you have 20 different companions and 15 different doctors. There's for each doctor, that means there's 20 possible combinations. Right. So that means 15 times 20 yeah. is how many different combinations there are, which is tons. That's so many different combinations you can build, right? Um, so uh, there are a lot of decks you can build here. And, we had, you know, we, we tried making as many of, as, as we can. We tried to identify the strongest combinations, but ultimately it's going to be fun for a lot of the players to take their best role at it and, and see, see what they can do. And, you know, in the pre cons, you can play a lot of three color combinations, um, but you can also build two color combinations out on your own as well. So for the audience listening, 300, by the way. <laughs> the 300 combination. So many combinations. If there are 20, which I think, you know, the, the number's a little off. but There's so many of them. Yeah. English major, okay? English major over here. Um, the, uh, the one cool thing we did, speaking of that, is I got feedback early on of, oh, is it weird that you can't ever put black in your Doctor Commander deck? And so I was like, oh, I wish we could find a way to make... Of a couple black companions, but none of the Doctors were going to have black in their deck identity because that's really not what the Doctor is. And we kind of found a solution with both Clara Oswald, who you could pick what color she is, which is really fitting for the character. And also in the villain deck, there's this character, v- uh, Visler Turlow, who's actually like a spy that the Doctor picks up at some point and, and goes around with him. And so he's, it's a stray Doctor's companion in the villain deck mm-hmm. that um, has kind of a funny story around him where he's he's actually you know spying around with the with the Doctor, which is kind of fun.
0: Okay, so we are we don't have too much time left. Um we talked about how you made the decks. We talked about the mechanics of the decks. Um, so I want to give a, a moment to like what are individual cards that are just like like obviously, there's lots and lots of sweet cards, but what is it just sort
1: of the perfect designs for you? Okay, so my I think my favorite card in the whole set is Ripper's song, and River's got a really fun story around her. a can can uh, ability-
0: let's see what River does.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. River, uh, her main ability, she, she's got another ability, but her main ability is you draw from the bottom of your library instead of the top of your library, okay? And the story of this card is, is kind of interesting. So I remember in Modern Horizons 1, people, they tried a card like this. It was supposed to be like an anti-Lantern of Insight card, right? Where Lantern manipulates the top card of your library, and it was like, oh, if you draw off the bottom instead. But it didn't work. For digital reasons, it didn't work out. And so... Um, in Mystery Booster, in the first Mystery Booster, I made it as a playtest card. So I was like, well, it's a wacky thing that we'll never be able, able to do, and I'll just put it in here. Well, I was working on Doctor Who, which, you know, is many years later. And for River Song, I was like, I had this idea. I was like, well, you know what's perfect? Like her whole story, if you don't know the story, basically she meets the Doctor in reverse order, right? The first time she meets the Doctor, she dies. And then the last time the Doctor meets her is um, the first time that she's meeting the Doctor. So it's like this whole reverse chronology thing. So I was like, what if we could do the draw from the bottom of your library thing here? And, um, you know, I talked to the digital teams about it and everyone and everyone was like, it's a good fit. And we figured out where this project was going to go. And ultimately we were just like, this, this is too cool, we got to do it here. And so I was shocked I got that onto a card where others had tried and failed. But it's such a great, perfect flavor fit. And you can build some very wacky decks uh, with this card. So I look forward to you all doing it uh one thing i tried to do with a lot of the legendaries was just figure out weird like like they work fine in pre-con or whatever but weird other dash you can build so like one of the masters has has it grants creatures skulk but it's also skulk matters so you can go dust off all your favorite blue black skulk cards if you want to uh there's a card called the beast which cares about uh creatures damaging their owner so you want to play maybe all your active treasons you can um and with some of the, uh, the the Doctors in the classic deck, we were gonna make eight different Doctors. So some of them have kind of kind of strange sub themes too. So I love making those like really interesting build arounds. And then finally, you know, one thing I have I've barely even touched on today is that there are all these planes, right? Every deck has 10 brand new plane chase cards. And so we made some really unique and fun ones of those that are like super honed into the, the flavor what's going on. My favorite is there's one that, um well, not my favorite in the whole thing, but you know, we do things that magic doesn't normally do. Like there's one that is the North Pole and and well, what happens at the North Pole? But you give gifts to everybody else, right? It's a really cool flavor. So there's just stuff like that that Universe Beyond unlocks the ability to do. We're like, well, you never normally make a North Pole plane, but sure, Doctor Who, it makes sense. And um, I, the other thing about the planes is there's a lot of cards, a lot of things I couldn't get into the decks. Because, you know, 60 new, uh, 100 hundred cards per deck, 50 new cards, there's only so much we could show off. But the planes were kind of an extra, you know, 10 cards per deck, I got to show things off. And so if you're looking near the main set and you don't see your favorite episode, make sure to look at the planes. Because there's some in there that I'm really happy we kind of snuck in there.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed uh, how much stuff you got in. there? There is uh, You were talking about, like, I remember you telling me a story of, like, there were some characters that you, you couldn't get on cards. So you made sure to put them in art so people could see the characters, even if you could not make a card out of the character.
1: Yeah, one thing that was really unique is, so, Lauren Bond was my uh, creative associate for this, and and she's absolutely fantastic. Um, But, like, I was treated in a lot of cases like the SME, the subject matter expert for this, because I know Doctor Who so well. Lauren knows Doctor Who, too, but I'm just so deep in it. And so, I was constantly giving notes of, like, okay, we should, on this card, we should show this character, because they don't get a card in the main set, like, you know, for example, on the war games, you see Zoe, who we couldn't get in the main set, but at least you see her on that card, right? So, you know, my goal was really, if you've watched Doctor Who at any point, if you've Watch a couple episodes at some point in a sixty-year span. You can look at this card set and see something that you recognize. And I can't guarantee that's going to be there for everybody, but hopefully you'll find some stuff there. So yeah, the, the sagas and the spells have episodes and characters depicted in them that aren't necessarily in the cards. We try to get a ton of legends in the set, um, and you know, there, there's actually one little fun design note is there's a number of cards in the set that like clone things because as it turns out, there's a lot of cloning and copying <laughs> happens in Doctor Who, um, and uh, we, wrote non, we ended up writing non-legendary on almost all of them, or create a copy except for it's not legendary on almost all of them, um, especially ones that can only copy your things, because there's just so many legends in the product that we found too often you're like, well, I want to copy my thing, but it'll blow itself up because of, of the legend rule. And so, um, we, you know, you'll see a lot more of those in this product than, uh, than in normal. But it was really important for gameplay to make that happen. We've been trying to do less of those, actually, uh, because we want to make, you know, legendary matter for, if it's gonna if it's, if it's gonna matter why not have it matter but um in this project universe of beyond there are so many legends we wanted you to you be able to, to make it work with these cards so that's a fun little trivia fact for you
0: okay well i'm now at my desk so uh we have to wrap up any final thoughts about the making of the doctor who decks
1: you know the, what i'll say is that um one of the things in our, happened in our very first play test is we we played And we were like, this. what happened in this game could have been an episode of Doctor Who. It was like, Rose Tyler was about to get converted into a Cyberman, and then the seventh doctor with the dinosaur saved her, right? And I'm like, that is the most Doctor Who thing I have ever heard. And so we adopted this mantra of like, build your own episode. And I really hope as you all go out and play, you have fun not only playing the decks, but you just think about the flavor a little bit of what's going on and be, and be like, I'm building my own little Doctor Who episode here. I would happily watch this and have a zany time. So go out, enjoy the decks. And as always, you can hit me up on social media if you have any questions.
0: Okay, guys. Well, since I'm at my desk, we know what that means. means is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So uh, Gavin, thanks again for being with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And all you, I will see you next time. Bye-bye.